Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, starting in verse 35. Hear the word of the Lord. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast, so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. For truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I am 38 years old and pretty stuck in my ways. It feels like with every year that passes, right, you just get a little bit more rooted. I don't, I don't think I'm a curmudgeon yet. I'm an aspiring curmudgeon. It's going to happen eventually. Uh, but, but I've lived long enough to know that, like, there are few things in life anymore that really, really, truly change me. But 14 months ago, something happened. My iPhone stopped working. It's not funny. Uh, because of warranty issues, it took eight days for it to be replaced. Eight days. Like, when's the last time you've done that, right? Well, let me tell you the hardest part. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't a desire to make a call or a lack of connection. Like, who do I want to call, please? Uh, no, it wasn't, it wasn't a lack of, of productivity. It was, it was those few seconds here and there, occasionally even whole minutes I just had to sit there, like think stuff, feel, feel my, you know, my feelies or, or, or just, I got bored people, right? When's the last time you've, you've been bored? It's kind of scared me a little bit. Like truthfully, like over, over eight days, I cannot tell you how many times I literally reached for distraction. Any dull moment, any quiet part, and like, oh. Oh man, what do I what do I do now, right? It drove me crazy. But it was a bit of a wake-up call for me because I found out in that those eight days that I am addicted to distraction. And I've spent this last year or so on a quest to try to figure out something better. In fact, I even spent a couple of months writing a proposal for a grant. Uh, to spend my upcoming sabbatical trying to study the tension between nature and technology and its impact on our ability to experience awe, what it does, what it does to us. Uh, I didn't get the grant, by the way, jerks. Um, <laughs> super bitter, by the way. You can pray for me on that one. Um, but I don't, I don't need their money to, to do some studies and research. In fact, since that time, I've read several books and articles on this subject. And even though I have a long ways to go, I feel like I'm finally beginning a little bit of recovery. And I want to I be clear here, because I, uh, I am, this has not made me a Luddite, you know, anti-technology, okay? Um, I love technology. I just upgraded my iPhone. It's great. I love it. I still love Netflix. My kids still have screen time, right? It's, it's, I haven't moved off into a cabin in the woods, you know, mostly because Kelly hasn't, you know, let me yet. Um, 
But like, I, I mean, I get where some of you are sitting right now because I was in the same spot 18 months ago. Anytime anybody mentioned, oh, our phones are changing us and our brains and blah, 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 like I would, I'd be the first to roll my eyes, okay? So I, I get that's where many of you are. But after my own experience of, of that week and the extensive amount of reading I've done on this subject, I am convinced you and I have a distraction problem. I love technology, but my eyes have been open to the endless distractions and what they do to our relationships, our lives, and even our souls. And if you don't think you have a problem, take eight days off your phone. Or maybe it's like your phone. Take a break from social media for a month, or TV, or talk radio, or 24-hour news, or sports, or video games, or whatever your thing is, right? We all have the distractions that we run to. And our distractions are destroying us. I mean, literally. We all know how dangerous it is to play with your phone while driving, and yet most of us still do it. Like, let that sink in for a moment. Like, we would rather risk our lives in the lives of others than be bored. Yeah, we have a bit of a problem, and it's not just our cars we're driving. We're steering our lives, our families, businesses, obsessed with distraction, and our souls are at risk. For I'm, I'm convinced one of the greatest inhibitors today to following Jesus. It's not just sin or, or your doubts. Sure, those play into it. But for many of us, it's not that we're actively trying to reject Jesus. We're just too distracted to notice him. And I'm a fellow struggler. But let me ask our driving question for today. What has captured your attention where do you go? Where's your focus? Those moments of boredom or quiet, what do you turn to? What has captured you? Turn, turn to Luke chapter 12. We heard these words read a moment ago. We, we were starting our year as a church with, with three weeks in the gospel of Luke. Because Jesus shows us a different way, I think a, a better way. And we, we've called this short series Simply Different. Because that's who we're supposed to be. As a church, as followers of Jesus, we are to be simply, like to have simple lives in the way that we choose our time, our money, our, our attention, our focus, all those things, simply different. Last week, it was, it was how we discern what matters most when it comes to the ways we spend our time. If you missed that, I encourage you to, to find it on the podcast, catch up on it. But today, it's, it's our attention, our focus this is a common theme in, in Scripture, and especially in the New Testament. Jesus talks about it often in some of the parables that he, that he tells. And in Luke chapter 12, he tells us a story. And the idea is be alert, stay awake, pay attention, don't lose focus. Look at verse 35 again. Jesus says, again, he's telling a story. He says, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men and women who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast. So that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake, alert, when he comes. What's he getting at there? Well, uh, Kenneth Bailey, he's one of the top scholars of, of ancient Mideast. He, he 
has done a lot of research around this time period. What, what is happening in this, this cultural context? Because for us, we're so far removed that early readers or listeners would have understood this, but we miss a whole lot. But basically what he says is, is likely happening is that you have to imagine a party probably at the master's house, a, a, a wedding feast, and it's, it's a lavish celebration, like spare no expense kind of thing. It's a, it's a, big, it's a big deal. And, and the servants have been working around the clock, doing everything they can to make the celebration absolutely perfect. But now the party's been raging for a while, and the servants' work is done, and they're in the, the quarters, in the home part of the house, right? And after a bit, the master slips out of the celebration, kind of sneaks away from his guests for a minute, quietly walks down the hall. You got to picture him here carrying like a heaping tray of all the best bits of the party. You know, like jalapeno dip, little smokies, some Havarti, a bottle of wine, but like everything that they've had in abundance, like, like there's, there's plenty and you've worked so hard, and so he comes to the servants, those who have done the work, and he wants them to, to have just a taste of the celebration, to join him in it, because they've worked so hard. And so he quietly walks down the hall, and he gently knocks. But will they hear him? What has captured their attention? For Jesus is saying that one day he intends to do the same thing with us. You see, there's nothing new under the sun. I'm sure today's distractions are different than they were 2,000 years ago. But the fact that Jesus tells the story and that there are so many instances in Scripture talking about being alert, staying awake, staying focused. Like, we've always been, since the fall, easily distractible. And paying attention has always been a challenge. This is why, this is so important. Being a Luddite, anti-technology, doesn't help us here, right? Because technology isn't ultimately the problem, but rather my chronic inattentiveness to God. That's the problem. And so I'm not, I'm not talking about, you know, going back to the good old days before the internet or whatever. I mean, gross, would you want to? I mean, no, that's not, that's not it at all. Besides, the only good old days were in the Garden of Eden. Every generation since has been marred in some way by heartache and sin, filled with distractions. And yet, we do need to understand the unique distractions of today, don't we? I mean, for example, how much time every day do you spend out of reach of your phone? Like where it's not like farther than this, right, from you, right? How much time? Any at all, right? I'm guessing for most of us in this room, you would say about zero, right? Maybe, maybe a couple minutes longer. Sherry, Sherry Turkle, she's a professor at MIT, um, which, you know, Institute of Technology, right? It's not a Luddite institution. Uh, but she compellingly argues in her book, and I highly recommend this, uh, Reclaiming Conversation. It's so good, so powerful, so transformative. But she argues with lots of research that our, our brains and our lives are actually being rewired by the devices that we have. That we think differently, we act differently, we, we converse, our relationships are different. Everything is changing as a result of this. 
And for example, she picks out lots of, lots of different illustrations and different contexts in which this is true. Uh, but a few of the obvious ones, like empathy, right? We've, we, we don't empathize. Studies show, like, we, we are a less empathetic people. And we, like, you know that because we're so angry at everybody all the time. You just go to the comments section at the bottom of any article on anything, right? On, on the internet. We, because it's, it's easier to, to be a bully when you don't have to watch the person melt under your words, right? We know that. She also talks about our ability to sustain deep, meaningful conversation as being eliminated. Because we're, so, we're expecting a distraction, so why get so deep, right, first of all? And we've conditioned our brain to think and to speak in sound bites. Things that we can plan ahead and, and make sure we get just right, right, when we communicate them like this. And this is, this is changing us. In fact, even studies show that even just having an iPhone on a table... Face down, um, conversations don't go as deep when that happens because subconsciously everybody's just expecting we're going to be interrupted, right? And I think we know this. We're also we're lonelier than ever before. When do you feel relationally filled? After an hour on social media or texting a friend or in a real life face-to-face Full attention encounter with an actual human. Yeah, but that takes so much work. And there's so much risk involved when we do it that way. And so we film our lives instead of enjoying them. We stage our experiences to look as awesome as we can. We even teach our kids. I teach my kids that the best things in life have to be performed in front of a camera for an online audience of near strangers for their approval. Like, I do that to my kids. It should tell us something when Steve Jobs wouldn't let his kids have an iPad. Another helpful resource, uh, 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You. Uh, the elders are reading this right now. I just finished it. Uh, it's a free download on this website right now, just coincidentally. You can go there, uh, log in. You have to create an account, but it doesn't cost anything. There's no obligation there. And you can download the audio for free. I'd highly recommend that. It's written from a Christian perspective, so it kind of gives a different angle uh, than Turkle as far as the solution is concerned. Uh, another article just this past week um, in the Wall Street Journal. Other syndicates also picked this up. Um, iPhones and children are a toxic pair, uh, say two big Apple investors, and they're they're encouraging Apple to have warnings, to have grids for kids and how much and being able to track easier. And they, they cite research, for example, researchers that have found that the average American teen spends four and a half hours on their phone every day. On average, four and a half hours every day. But what's really disturbing is, is that those, according to the research, those who spend only three hours on a screen are 35% more likely And those who spend five hours or more are 71% more likely to have a risk factor for suicide than those who spend less than one hour. Just let that sink in for a second. And if you're not panicking yet, you should also check out the Atlantic uh, September issue of the article have smartphones destroyed a generation? Helpful research. And kids, students, let me just say, like, I know for some of you sitting here, like, I've never seemed older, right, um, and just completely out of touch uh, in this moment. And maybe it sounds like I'm harping on you. Uh, I, don't, I don't mean to be at all, because the reality is we, your parents, have taught you these addictions, because we can't shut it down, right? We get so angry, like, with our kids, like, just put it away. It's like, but we're doing the same thing. Like, they've learned it from us. And I know these, these are easy targets for us when it comes to distraction, 
And maybe that's not you, but it could be 24-hour news, sports, music, Alexa, tell me I'm okay, right? Tell me I don't have to be alone. I would rather distract myself. I would rather distract myself with the fictional lives of others on Netflix than be attentive to my own existence and the existence of those around me. Now, in moderation, of course, these things are fine. They're good. Enjoy them. But recognize how severely addictive they are and how destructive they can be. Because we end up wondering why we're so lonely or unhappy. And the fact that we have today the highest rates of teen depression and anxiety and, and of adults ever, and ever before. Or, or we wonder why solitude and silence feel like an ancient form of torture. Like, like boredom is the worst thing ever, we just can't handle it anymore. Or why, why reading our Bible or praying feels so dull. We, we've lost the muscle of attention. And we wonder why we don't see Jesus at work around us or hear his subtle knock. Have you ever gone to, you know, one of those restaurants with like 100 TVs on there, right? Or gone over to a friend's house, you know, that friend who always has the TV on. Like, don't be that guy. That's the worst, okay? Uh, but then in that context, like, tried to have a meaningful conversation. It's, it's, it's infuriating. But now you don't have to go to the sports bar to experience it. Like, it's in our pockets. We carry it around all the time ready to be interrupted. And if we're not careful, it could destroy us. Yeah, but who cares? I mean, it's, it's here. What are we going to do about it? Like, like it's, it's, besides, our, our distractions make us happy, don't they? They make us feel better from the painful lives in which we sometimes live. They make us happier. Not according to the research. And you even see it in this, this parable here. Distraction robs us of joy while attention actually raises our joy. That focused attention, though it's much harder, right? It doesn't come nearly as easily. Focused attention actually makes us happier. For example, we're just we're so afraid of missing out that we end up being so paralyzed that all we can do is miss out. So look how Jesus continues in verse, verse 37. He says, Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve. I mean, do you follow what's happening here, right? It's amazing. Like, the master, okay, so he, he sneaks away from the party, leaves his, his guests behind. He's got this, this tray filled with, with lavish, lavish food for his servants. And if that's not incredible enough, for those, those who are attentive, the, the master, the picture there, he actually, he grabs the apron, puts it on himself, tells his servants, sit down. Recline a little bit. Take it easy. Let me now serve you. Think about it. The master becomes the servant. God himself as our waiter. But if they're not paying attention, they're going to miss it. So could we. And I think we know, right? I think most of this stuff that I'm saying is like, well, like we intuit it already. Like you didn't need somebody to tell you this that these things are potentially problematic in our lives. We know it. We just don't have the discipline to do anything about it. 
Like, we all know the depletion that happens after 30 minutes on Facebook instead of dinner with friends. We know that, right? We know we, know we get greater satisfaction actually enjoying our experiences than filming them for the enjoyment of others, right? We, we know that. Or, or to, to quote Jim Gaffigan, uh, he says, I have more pictures of my kids than my parents ever even looked at me, right? <laughs> it's true. And the studies agree. And yet I still looked to my distractions to make me better. To, to quiet the nagging in my soul, the hurts that I have, to give me, entertain me, make me better, save my soul. People, listen, the master wants to serve you with a lavish tray filled with everything good. And he comes to you to, to save you. That, that God, God is all around us. Rumors of the divine, echoes of his glory. It's everywhere. He's everywhere. But do we, do we have the eyes? To, are we paying attention? What has captured your attention? It's hard work ahead for us. But it's not hopeless. And I, I think that's clear as, as Jesus says there at the start, it just, it just, it takes work. Attention is going to take work. Like even in the story 2,000 years ago, verse 35, he tells the disciples what to do. Stay, metaphorically, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. Like work at it. Make deliberate intentions to stay focused. And one of the things I love about Turkle's book is how hopeful it is. That, that our brains are actually fairly flexible things. They can change fairly easily with new patterns, new habits. We can relearn how to have a conversation with one another. And she also points out, and I think this is true, most of us, I, many of us maybe, we're beginning to realize how flimsy our distracted lives have become and we're growing dissatisfied with them anyway, aren't we? Like we know it's not enough. We know it's not filling us. The things that we've turned to over and over again, I, I think there's dissatisfaction. We want more out of life, more out of our relationships, more out of Jesus. So let me just offer three practical next steps. Three of my New Year's resolutions. Take them or leave them, I suppose. I think they flow out of this, though. First, first put distraction in its place. Like, you be in charge of your devices, not the other way around. Like, when it rings, it vibrates. Like, you don't have to do anything. You know that, right? Like, you're not a slave to that thing that lives inside. Like, it, you don't have to do it. Like, put it, put it in its place. Because I know, I know what happens for me. Like, I'll get on Facebook, and like 30 minutes later, I'm like, where am I, right? Like, these, these things, they're designed to suck you in. That's, that's their goal. Regain control. You don't have to be a slave to them anymore. Put it in its place. And for some of you, maybe a next step would be uh, just doing a, a smartphone audit, especially if you don't think you have a problem. Just, you can download a free app that will track everything you do on your phone. Keep that on for a, for a month and just check it every week of how, how much time you're spending and on doing what. It tells you what apps, what time, and all that. Um, just try that. That'll be fun, I'm sure. But let me, so maybe that's for some of you. Others of you are ready to make some changes. Let me just tell you some of the goals we've made over the past year. Uh, these are things that we are still failing at regularly, struggling with. Um, and this list might look different for you than it, than it does, does for me, okay? It's not, I'm not saying do these things. I'm just saying this is what it looks like. These are some of the changes we've tried to make uh, over this past year. First of all, my phone uh, lives by the door instead of being carried around everywhere I go in my house. It's the first thing I do when I get home. I put it away. It's out of sight. It just makes it harder like, to reach for when it's in the other room, right? 
So I just try to, try to do that. If I need it, I can go get it, but it's, it's over there. Uh, we don't allow it at the dinner table. Um, that's just off limits because we're actually going to have a conversation uh, with one another. Um, and we've begun doing a lot of preemptive coaching with our kids, knowing that this is going to be some challenging conversations ahead. Uh, we also bought a real alarm clock. Remember those? Those things are awful, aren't they? They're terrible, but we bought one, and we're sleeping better, frankly, because uh, we've, we've stopped after 8 o'clock. We don't look at our phone, um, and in the morning we start our day. We don't allow ourselves to look at our phone until after we spend time praying and reading our Bible. We'd rather, just, we'd rather start with God than with gossip or news um, or work, right? That's what we've done, and we have actually been sleeping better as a result. Uh, when, when we go out, I try to leave my phone at home. We don't need it. We don't need two, certainly. We've got Kelly's. She has less of a problem than I do, and it's not in my pocket. And so I can focus on her if we're on a date. I can focus on my kids if we're together. I can focus on, on my relationships, my friendships. I mean, this elusive, what if there's an emergency? Come on, please. People can find you if they need you. Um, they really, if they really need you. Um, that's, that's something that we've, we've done. I also I deleted Facebook from my phone uh, so that I have to make a decision to go on Facebook at my desk. Um, so it's not on my phone anymore. Uh, I also deleted plants versus zombies, um, <laughs> which was excruciating. Um, don't laugh. You got your thing. What a, it's something. I had to do it. had to do it. Uh, with TV, we limit the nights that we watch um, and how much we watch. We don't have it on in the background ever because uh, that's just for us. It's not helpful. Um, Let's see, what else? We, with music or in the car, we try to make a conscious decision to listen rather than just make it the default. So do I actually want to do that or do I want silence in my life a little bit? Uh, we also spend more time outside than ever before, which is kind of the other side of this research. Uh, but part of the research is that, like, go to the places where you're least distracted, and oftentimes that is outside, especially if you don't bring, bring your devices with you. Um, so we've been, we've been doing that. Regular walks as a family, preferably in the woods. I do it alone regularly. I do it with Kelly. Often as a family, we do it even in the winter. Um, we've just talked our kids over this past year, like, this is what it means to be a miller. Sorry, we're going to go on a walk. Um, Kelly and I went out on Friday. It was three degrees. Uh, it was awesome. Um, but the reality is there are few distractions when you do that. And our personal experience, as well as the research shows, that it opens our hearts to awe, to self-reflection, and to each other. Three things that we just don't get enough of anymore. Again, we we fail at all these. And I, could, I could list other things, but I'm not going to, that's enough. Um, we fail at all these, and your list may not be our list, but I can tell you for us, uh, we have been much happier. Um, our family has been stronger. Our marriage has been stronger. Our relationships with others, our friendships, and our attentiveness to God put distraction in its place. Second thing, these, these all flow together. This is very similar, but a little bit different nuance. Be with the people you're with. Like, actually be with those people. Like, with them, undistracted. The person you're with is more likely, most likely, right, more important than anything else anybody who's not in your presence has to say to you at the moment. Be with them. Be really with them. I mean, this year, if anything, has re-emphasized for us the absolute necessity of meaningful relationships. And we, as a result, we've tried to restructure our time to say, you know what, instead of another night watching TV or getting stuff done, we're going to be, be with friends, because we need it. We crave it with real in-person friendship. Don't trade artificial connection or fictional intimacy for the real. Yes, those are helpful tools, right? But they're just, they're not the same. 
And again, the research shows something happens with in-person connectedness, like our brains and mirror neurons and all these things that we're, we're just, we're wired, we're created for community. We need it. And the people around you need it. Simon Wheel defines it like this. He says, love is focused attention. It's not warm feelings. It's not being a good provider. It's paying attention. Several years ago, I was putting David to bed. He was maybe five, and um, this is the whole bedtime routine, you know, the little kids, and oh, it's the worst, right? Just the same thing every night, my goodness. And I was sitting on his bed, and I was just bored, and so I pulled out my phone just to weed through email. And he's jabbering away because that's, that's his mode, and I wasn't listening a bit. And he just said to me, he wasn't trying to be smart, he just he really wanted to know. He said, Dad, is that important? Like, no! Like, not even a little bit. Like, it was, it was another one of those moments. Like, what, what am I doing? Why would I even think that was a good thing? Be with the people you're with. And if we can't do that as a community here, called out by God, redeemed by Christ, empowered by his spirit, if we can't do that, where can that happen today? We have, we have to do it. We have to... Can, um, for some of us, an obvious next step is to get into a community group. If you're not connected relationally with other believers, you have to do that. You need real human interaction. We can help. We've got a new semester starting. Uh, starts a week from today. Uh, there's time to get involved. We have new groups starting. It's an easy way just to connect. Uh, Eight-week semester, right? Try it out. Um, if you have questions about that or are interested, contact Nikki Deeker. We've got an email address right here. She's also right there if you want to just grab her. Um, she can help you because we, we need it now more than ever. And finally, last thing, most importantly, stay attentive to the one who's always attentive to you. The master wants to serve you. Like God himself, with all, all the goodness and delights that he offers, not just foolish, empty destruction, but our God himself, he loves you, he's near to you, and he will return. That's what Jesus is saying here. And when he comes, plate piled high, don't miss it. For he doesn't just satisfy our appetites, he even heals us of all of our failures, forgives us of all of our endless, chronic distractions, and he empowers us. He died and rose again to give us the opportunity to live a better life. Spend time with him. Remind yourself daily of his love and his attention. You, be alone with him. Like you, have, you, have to, you just have to. Like solitude and silence, praying, reading your Bible. You have to do that if you want to enter into this life. You, if you want to know, if you want to be changed. This is, this is part of where it, where it happens for us. I mean, Sherry Turkle, one of the things that's so shocking that she says to me in the book not personally, she didn't say it to me, it sounded like, it felt like she said it to me, uh, was that if we, if, we don't, if we don't know how to be alone, undistracted, then we will always be lonely. If we, if we don't learn the discipline of solitude, being in the presence of no one but God and your own nagging thoughts, we will always be lonely. And yet, like a good master, he comes ready to knock, to show his love, to satisfy you, and to give us something so much better. What has captured your attention? Let me pray. Father, we can't, we can't do this without your help. The addictions are too strong. The tug, 
so powerful within me. God, would you break us of it so that we can be attentive to you, to your work within us that's often so subtle and quiet, your gentle knock, so that we can be attentive to things around us, the people around us, the people in our homes or in our offices, people sitting by us, that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear and do the work that you've called us to. And Lord Jesus, we thank you, first of all, that you forgive us when we fail, because we will and we do, but also that you empower us through your spirit to actually live a better life. So we worship you now, we pray in Christ's name. Well, as we leave this place to be the church gathered, to be the church scattered, I wanted to, to share a word from the book of Hebrews as our benediction, as a reminder of the fact that, yes, our attention is, is a precious thing, and, and we give it to things that are so, so much lesser than the one who pays attention to us. And so, so our benediction, as we leave this place, uh, to fix our eyes and our attention on the one who loves us and gives attention to us. Hear these words from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Brothers and sisters, fix your eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. Go in peace. Live an attentive week.